keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome everyone to Wrestle Roast. I'm your host, Robert Karpolis. And look, we're going to get right into it. There's big news that everybody in the wrestling world is talking about. And it's the fact that Scott Chaplin has new Wi-Fi. Scott, how are you? Oh, that's right, people. Me and Tony Khan paid a lot of money. Yes. A lot uh, of money to make this happen. It was commercial free for what? The first like 45 minutes last night. And I get Wi-Fi for about 25 minutes so let's see how this goes the wi-fi works up until the point that he mentions new japan and then it just shits the bed speaking of shitting the bed we're joined by dan saint germain who's uh not uh not in a car this week dan how are you i'm okay i should have i should be in madison opening for dan soder but i do have COVID again uh which i'm very frustrated about so uh i did get a chance to you know, see fast lane and see the Tuesday night wars. So I figured what might as well throw my two cents in while we're here. So we'll, we'll kick this off right at the, right at the top uh, for Patreon this past week, Scott and I each talked about uh fast lane oh. broke down that show. Uh, so if you are a Patreon subscriber, definitely go out and, and check that out. But Dan, since, since you were unavailable for that, do you want to just kind of very briefly give us your thoughts on fast lane? I thought it was a show, you know, and yeah. I thought it was it was a good show. I, I think Vaseline, you know, it's just weird to happen in October because like, you know, October is the least fast laney there is in wrestling, you know, like um, but because you know, like what are we building to Survivor Series? Well, who cares? Uh, Crown Jewel, but yeah, Crown Jewel and Survivor Series. Like who cares? It's like, you know, we only care once once we're a rumble really. So what's after Survivor Series? That's when things start to get kind of interesting. Um, but I thought, you know, I mean, I, we can, we'll go by the, sh- we should go by the show match by match, but, um, you know, I thought there was some good wrestling. Uh, there's, I, I, I thought there was nothing great and there was nothing really abysmal on the show. It was just, it was just a good show. Yeah. And I think that was kind of Scott and mine's take the on main it as well. was really good too. Do you, really... you guys already talk about it? On we, we did on the, we did on the Patreon, but oh, that's okay, why I wanted to get on. your, your thoughts on it. But I think the, the, the craziest thing about it is the way wrestling is right now. It's a cold show. In the middle of October, they sold that building out, and it did really well for Peacock. So even when it's not something that people are super excited about, they're still turning out for the WWE product. And good, bad, or indifferent, it's kind of encouraging them to be like, look, whatever we put out right now, people are going to show up for. Their their ratings are very good, especially – you know, when you consider football and what's happening in, in the, the world today, the ratings are, are quite good. So, yeah, so we're going to we're going to basically talk NXT and Dynamite, which is going to weave in everything else that's going on this week. It's kind of it's all just tangled up in one big fucking mess. So 
the the best way to to get into it we're we're going to we'll talk a little bit of NXT we'll talk dynamite we'll talk a little bit of what's going on with CM Punk um and through talking about dynamite we'll talk about the Juice Robinson segment we'll talk about Tony Khan's ongoing continual fucking mental breakdown uh and anything else that exists in the world of wrestling that piques our interest in it uh before we 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 go any further Scott did you catch NXT this week I did. Yeah, I watched it. I watched both shows. Not not in real time. I watched both the next day. Same. Dan, did you catch any of NXT? Uh, I watched both shows. I think, you know what? It was kind of like the reverse, like Barbenheimer, where Barbenheimer, like both of the companies that made those movies wanted you to go see them. It was like both companies here were like, nah, fuck the other guy. But this is why people love the Monday Night War. We got two shows where they're like, we're going to just whip our cocks out and we're going to give you the best that we possibly can. And that was the fun when you were a kid of the Monday night war. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, when you have two people that are trying to put on the best show possible, everybody wins. Scott, did uh, you, you were like a, you were younger when the Monday night wars were going on, weren't you? Or you weren't, were you yeah, even watching? So really? by the time I got, in, by the time I got into wrestling, honestly, um, WCW was still around, but if you were watching it, you were a fool. Everybody knew WWE had won already by the time I got into wrestling. Yeah, so you were like uh, the the Mark Jindrak era of of Nitro. Oh, for sure. You know, I I wonder if if the wars would have been so fun if the internet existed because it, it's more exhausting to me than fun. It's not like a tune in situation. It's a uh, oh, I can't wait to hear people twist their brains into this opinion this well, the week. Inter- the internet, it's not like we were like growing up in the fucking Stone Age. We had the internet and the internet wrestling community was there. Uh, I know Mike and I were reading like, Scott Keith every week. Dan, did, did, were you like, were you reading Meltzer back then or? No, I was not. I, I wasn't reading Scott Keith anyway. I was mostly, dude, I was mostly, I mean, I briefly was WCW, but I remember I watched, you know, but, you know, like I watched WCW because I was, you know, the NWO was cool and I and I kind of got off of WWE for a little bit. But then there was like that the show that really got me back was when it was like right. Before, remember that pay-per-view breakdown where it was the triple threat between Kane Undertaker and Stone Cold? Yeah. Where it, it, that pay-per-view got me like that that story leading up to that. Like I watched uh, like a Sunday night heat before the show. And I was like, holy shit, they are fucking hot. Not to use the word as hot, because we'll be talking about that in terms of <laughs> AEW. But when I saw what they were doing with Stone Cold, the, when I saw when I saw like that they had turned Stone Cold into this type of baby face, and I realized that they have never really done this in wrestling before with a lot of success. Really, the closest we've had we had to Stone Cold before this was Sandman and ECW. And you know, he's not as good of a wrestler or a promo. So um, I was like, holy shit, this is like, you know, it was exciting. It was new, it was fresh. But the only way that that would have happened is if WCW, uh, uh, the only way that didn't put their fucking foot on Vince's throat, you know? And because of that, he was able to make some decisions and look, man, I mean, nobody on this podcast is like the giant, is a giant LA night mark, but like, I think... <laughs> I think a couple of years ago, you know, when it was just WWE or five years ago, you know, I think that like, you know, like LA Knight would have probably had a very similar run to Zack Ryder, right? Where it's like the internet gets behind him. 
we'll try him out a little bit and then eventually we'll move off him. And here they're really putting him up front because, you know, now that they have competition, they actually have to listen to what the audience says. And it's not what we're saying on this show, but it is what they're, I mean, that guy's super fucking over. I mean, when they announced him, you, you know, like you thought that they were announcing, uh, you know, Cena or something, you know, last night. So uh, I, I, I do think that, you know, when, when, when stuff like this happens, it just makes both products better. It makes it, 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 it also makes both products able to kind of get over their own ego and be like, all right, well, what's the best for business? What's the best for this promotion? You know? And it's why I love. Well, that. now wait though. And I, I, and I agree with you. And typically if this was like a wars thing, mm-hmm. I'd go, yeah, sure. But I don't think this was two shows trying to put on their best shows last night. I, well, think, kind of it was, I think it was one show trying to put on a really good show, right? Which right. they do often. And then another show like using their most famous names and trying to get as many viewers as possible. Um, did it work? Of course it worked. I think they were going to do better than AW anyway because they're on Tuesday nights and they do well without these guys like Taker and Cena. But this wasn't like a, ooh, this and is NXT best for business. Because the truth is, no, 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 because the truth is having Undertaker show up and choke slam guys all the time, that's, that isn't best for business. This is like a one night thing. This is like the way Vince booked things and we hated it. But since it's for one night, we get to enjoy it because we don't get to see these legends. But this was like a, uh, this felt like, um, like SeaWorld presents wrestling or something. Yeah, but this is how Vince booked the Monday Night War. It was like, it's not wrestling-based. Wrestling didn't win the Monday Night War. It was attraction-based. It was what crazy thing can we keep throwing at you segment after segment that's going to make you not yeah, want to change the attraction the was The attraction, you see, I think, again, the, the attraction wasn't bringing out legends like The Undertaker and John Cena. The attraction were, was the modern guys. But the, the advertising for NXT for this week's show was the main event is Braun Breaker, Carmelo Hayes. And it's you're going to see these guys wrestle. And then they used Cena and Heyman as kind of, you know, accessories to it. It's for those people who weren't going to necessarily tune in. Hey, John Cena's here. But it's not like you're tuning because John Cena is wrestling. John Cena is there to second Carmelo Hayes. Paul Heyman is there to second Braun Breaker. Cody when he opened the show, Cody comes out to do his announcement. His announcement was they're bringing back the Dusty Tag Tournament, and then they use him as the GM to set up Dominic Mysterio versus Ilya Dragunov. Everyone they kind of brought in, I think with the exception of Oscar, who had a match, it's like they were using the main stars to introduce new people. And if you watch that, I mean, we all watch NXT. What I'm curious about is you saw Carmelo Hayes, you saw Braun Breaker, an audience that might not have seen those people were now exposed to them and go, okay, these guys, when they come up to the main roster, are going to be really good. And that's that's the best use of Legends. I disagree with Scott a little bit. because From, from that point, Robert, in the sense that, like, I actually do think it was best for business in the sense of, like, what they're trying, what they've been trying to do the last two years, or the last, shit, the last year for us. Got a Charlie horse there. Uh, what they've been trying to do for us. Only you could get hurt laying still talking. I know, I know, it's it's pathetic. But um, w- w- what they were trying to do, you know, what they've been trying to do with NXT is be like, this is the developmental. This is this is the, um, you know, the prototype John Cena's are going to be in this. So, of course, they're going to, like, lose to The Undertaker because they're not ready just yet. You know, it's, it's actually very similar to, 
you know, the first season of winning time, which got canceled, but Magic Johnson gets his ass beat, you know, by one of the Lakers uh, in a game of one-on-one at a party, Yeah, you know, and, and even though, you know, Magic Johnson's the better player and he's going to be the better player. And I don't think that under, I really don't think Undertaker buried uh, uh, Braun Breaker in that segment at all. I actually, I thought he was, I didn't say that. Well, no, I know, but some people have, I'm not talking about that, but you were talking oh. about like, you know, what's best for business in the sense that it, like best for business would be probably like Braun destroying the undertaker. Right. Cause that's more of like a future. No, no, no. What I'm saying is we're lying. If we're saying it's best for business, because the truth is AEW presented what AEW presents every week and NXT presented a one time only thing. They've never done thing. They won't continue to do mm-hmm. unless they need to drop an atomic bomb again. Well, no, this yeah. is a competition. This was like a night of a might a night of um of massive airstrikes. You understand? Okay, but they've been they've been right. doing that over the last couple months because they knew they wanted to get the new TV rights deal. So you had Seth Rollins show up uh before you had Becky with the NXT women's title. They've been using the main roster guys on NXT. No, this was different. This was so different. This, this was, was dementedly different. It was not dementedly different. They just they flex the muscle they can, which if you just I close actually, the deal you did with with USA, you need to be able to show that yeah, we can pull these levers and do that. I just I'm sorry. I mean, look, it was a good show, but it was it was they could have literally called it something else. It it felt like when uh when you go on a field it was like it was like NXT goes on a field trip to real re- to meet real wrestlers. Yes, they met That's the Harlem Globetrotters. Like. Like, it's like sorry. when you go on a field trip and at the end of the field trip you get to like put on a play with the uh people who do the thing. That's oh, what yeah. it felt like. It was like, oh, look at these fake wrestlers meet real wrestlers. I mean, you know, that's not wrong. You're not wrong. There is an element of it, but it, I, I, I didn't look at it as fake wrestlers. I looked at it as green wrestlers, you know. Um, but I mean, they're all fake wrestlers, right? So, um, well, I think that's the other issue, though. Is is I think they're better than green. I think there's a lot of like super capable wrestlers who don't need to be treated like they're um, at Liberty Science Center. No, I mean you watch that Roxanne and and Oscar match, and there was nothing spectacular about it, but it's it was still better than ninety eight percent of the women's matches you're going to see in AEW, just because you know it told a simple story and made sense, right? So it did, and I think the idea is you're bringing different eyeballs in because you're you're getting a lot more. There was a lot of casual fans who don't watch a lot of NXT. They tuned in. All three of us watched NXT this week. We don't usually watch yeah, NXT. That's why I want I want to interrupt you, Robert, and ask you. Is this th- this whole thing about them? Because obviously they weren't doing this to fight AEW, so they're they basically just put this as a as like a dick waving contest to try to get a better raw deal. Well, is they already what, so they no they they were no, doing this for a little while. They don't have so a they, raw deal yet, though, right? They don't have a raw deal, but they the raw deal will be somewhere. But they they were doing this for the last couple months to be like, oh, we'll kind of give a shit about NXT to get the deal out of USA. They got the deal out of USA. This was. All right, someone wants to show up and be competition to us. We're going to show that if we actually want to care, we can beat them. Before, when it was the head-to-head, NXT lost because they had people no one wanted to see, like Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, Keith Lee. Now those guys are gone, and no one knows where they are. So now people want to watch NXT again. There was my snort to kind of fire Scott up. They go, if people actually want to care, we have to give them a different show than we give them usually every Tuesday. No, the, the, <laughs> there was nothing. Yeah, but Scott, there was nothing that they did on this show that you wouldn't have gotten any other way. Like, 
they gave you an NXT title match. They gave no, you I agree. That's why event. I didn't really care about the show. But when, it's yeah, still but false when advertising when it's like LA Knight is the special referee. And he's just pointing, dude, he's making the crowd say, yeah, you know, because at first I heard like, oh, wow, look how fun he is as a ref. And then I, I actually watched the episode. He makes them say, yeah, before they say, yeah, and he's refing. Yeah, because he fucking sucks. Bro, he does. He's not very, like, he's not very good. I mean, I, I agree. He does. That's that's pretty, but he's been doing that the whole fucking time. Oh, see, I don't see a lot of them, but, oh, but if you, dude, if you got someone that, to he's watch. A, what, he's the Bud Light What's Up commercial, dude. But here's the deal, Scott. You got, if you got someone to watch this show. Because they usually watch Raw and they wanted to see Cena, they wanted to see Cody, and then they watch him like, oh, Carmelo Hayes, this guy is good. I'm going to tune in next week to see him. Even so if you tiny. Get, even so if tiny it's a, next to Taker, by the way. He is definitely tiny next to Taker. But then again, Edge is fucking towering over Luchasaurus, so we'll talk about that later. The, the thing is, is even if you get a fraction of those people to stick around next week, it's a win. They're not going to do this oh, every that's a fact, week. Yeah. So to that end, it's like, let's just – do whatever it takes to get people in. It's like this was our Black Friday sale for NXT. And if you get some people to show up next week and be like, hey, I kind of want to see the Halloween Havoc stuff they built because they did build to other matches. Granted, some of them have Baron Corbin, so who gives a fuck? But they tried to do the best they could. Yeah, when they, when they tease that main event, I'm like, uh, well, get ready to drop 200,000 viewers next week, guys. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna sink. But the teases of... Heyman working with Braun and then Heyman talking to the Rock's daughter. It's kind of fun that at least everyone exists in the same universe. And I know that's something Mike always got on AEW about is they don't seem to like what happens on Collision, what happens on Dynamite. Everybody doesn't always know what's going on internally. Well, can we agree that for like his experience, Braun Breaker is like a savant? Like, I understand he's not he's not one of the greatest right now. You know what I mean? It's like, he's not the greatest. He's not even close to one of the best heels working today. But as far as, like, only being, like, what, like, four years in or something like that? I mean, it's pretty nuts. It's pretty nuts what that guy's able to do four years in. It's yeah. like, it kind of reminds me of Randy Orton, honestly. Well, he's got, I mean, it's the Steiner jeans and it's the Goldberg style of wrestling. He doesn't but need he's to way be way better wrestler than Goldberg. He's a better wrestler than Goldberg. I mean, well, Bret Hart agrees, but like he just, but he also looks the part. There are certain guys that like Gunther, like you just look at him and you're like, all right, that guy seems real. Even if I don't necessarily believe Carmelo Hayes can get in a ton of offense on Braun Breaker, but they did do quickness versus speed and it worked. And I think that was, that was fun. And quickness versus power, you mean? Hmm? Quickness versus power, you mean? What did I say? Quickness versus speed. Well, speed's what Braun's taking in the back to get up there. Uh, and then Dominic held his own pretty well with Ilya Ilya Dragunov, and that dude is a really talented wrestler who's it was not... okay. I mean, look, like I was actually, I was actually wondering, I was like, do you put the title on Dom? Like, it's yeah. like you know, there's for ratings. He's ratings wise, besides Becky, he's been the biggest draw. Him and Rhea have been the biggest draw. Well, he's got the North American title still. He's got so. the North American title, but that's like your secondary title on this show. It's like, do you do what they did with Enzo and the cruiser weight division? Just throw it up. You know, like, I don't know. It's an interesting thought, but it, it definitely was a good main event. Cause it made you think like, like this could happen. Technically this isn't like when, when he, when, when Dom's going against Cody or, or Roman or something, and you know, just no fucking way in hell, this guy's going over, Yeah, but this one, this one could happen. And, you know, it, it was funny because Eli Dragunov, it's like the one match he kind of like, he's such a great wrestler. He's so excellent. Yeah. And because of AEW, a lot of his greatness has been forgotten because 
you know, like he just doesn't have the time. He doesn't have the venue to showcase what he does, which is just really great matches. But it is, it's hard for him to do. He doesn't do the WWE style as easily as I thought. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, yes, like, but they did get behind your your new man crush, uh, Trick Williams. Dude, Trick he, Williams has got besides wrestling, he's got everything else. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the well, it's kind of the downside. He's you know, he's, he's got, got a lot of the charisma, but wrestling wise, that was smart to put him on there and not let him wrestle. No, but I mean, you see him in the same room as Cena, and 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 he, Cena doesn't swallow him. They look like they should be in the same room together. It's just you know the guy can't go, but I think that guy could be, like. Man, I think he could be huge if he figures it out. If he figures out the in-ring, um, if he gets past his Elias, then he's going to be huge. He's going to be huge. Because I think there's more money in him than Trick. I mean, I'm sorry, than Carmelo. So. There is. I think the person, at least my takeaway, that's got the most money potential is Tiffany Stratton. Even when, sure. She didn't wrestle, but just the way she carried herself with Asuka – well, the way she's the other another women... one where it's like she's fucking she's three like years three in. Years in, like, my god, dude, it's it's insane. And you had her on there. You they they brought Jade in just to be like, guess what? We have Jade, which is fine. And then they have Brian Pillman Jr. with his new name. Um, I kind of but... dug that. I know. I I, I didn't the think promo I... was great. And you yeah, know, I really liked it. you know, they're gonna do. Even though I don't like the name change, I don't care how he says it or whatever. You know, the last name change. It's not a good last name to make up uh but there is no doubt in my mind they're going to do a better job with him than aew ever did yeah also they had uh, they, the, the, even his first name like lexus or whatever is it's based off his sister who died in a car wreck so it's like no it, yeah i know but hey just now i have to feel bad that i think you have a bad name it's still a bad name like yeah I, well, still I think a it's wrestling more, name it's just more of like a super villain origin story than anything else. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, I agree. I really, I, I really liked it. And um, you know, he's a bet. He's he's not a great wrestler, but he's better than you remember him being. So hopefully, you know, with a with a style that's more grounded, like WWE, you know, he'll be able to kind of flourish there. I think they'll teach him. I think the. The one of the surprises I knew that WWE was probably going to win the night because to Scott's point, they did the would you say SeaWorld presents NXT or whatever it was. Um, I was surprised at the margin because if you're an AEW fan, we can all admit you are the you know, for lack of a better term, the smart fan. You know when the show is gonna be on. Like you're on Twitter, you you're following Tony, you knew Dynamite was gonna be on a Tuesday instead of a Wednesday. And to only do like 600,000 as opposed to the 800,000 they normally do, people were not really tuning in, which is strange because it was a pretty strong show on paper. TBS really pushed it too. I, I think it's a, I think that's a strong disagree, ready? Because some AEW, AEW is only popping like 850 lately, right? Yeah. On, on the regular, on the regular time slot. So if you go at, at the very least 250 of them, oh, I'm about to do some Steiner math. Yeah. At the very least 250 <laughs> of them typically watch NXT on Tuesday, right? So immediately you get 600,000 out of 850,000. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the math is there. Now, this is actually what's more impressive is that between both shows, um, you know, NXT, which is just, it's it's not a main show, and so there's no real incentive to give a shit. 
and AEW, which isn't usually on Tuesdays, out of both shows, you got over a million viewers watching, you know, about a million and a half people watching pro wrestling on a Tuesday night. Yeah. I, I, look, which is what should be talked about, not what Tony Khan is trying to turn this into, which is like, dude, you were going to lose the fucking ratings anyway. Don't drag legends into it and, and create bad faith, really, in, in like a gross, loserish way. If anyone wants to read his tweet, uh, I'll do it. Well, there, you got to there's there's way more than just one because there were tweets during Raw. OK, but where he was talking that shit. most recent one. Was but brutal, like he was, man. he was talking shit going into the show okay. where it was like. All right, I'm going to give you the first half hour free. And then he was using like curb your enthusiasm gifts. And then there was something where it's like Hunter and Sean are going to try to send a message. And he's like, they're bald assholes with, again, curb your enthusiasm stuff. And talking about how Sean's never going to win Booker of the Year. He came across like a petulant lunatic, which is why I've always said he would be a killer heel owner on TV because this is just who he is. And instead, he's Robert coming across trying like to make this company nerd. go under. He's like, put him on TV. Yeah, I don't know, Robert. I'm sorry. Do know. not see him do the crab walk video after Dynamite. Like they're just picking <laughs> on him at this point. It is. They are like, what can we can we smear a bunch of food on a plate and make him eat it? This man. Oh, that's funny. But he's the one who's smearing it. No, he's the yeah. He's he, the he picked this fight. This wasn't this wasn't them fucking with him. And also, it's like. It's just so crazy. It's like, okay, if you're going to bring up all the Vince stuff, you're going to bring it up now? Yeah. Like, when you lose? Like, like it'd be one thing if you took a stand after it happened, which people would still be like, well, why are you really saying this? It's for your company. But, like, to do it now, then it's just like, come on, man. It's like the most low-hanging fruit shit ever, you know? Well, I mean, there was stupid loser shit, and then there's the stuff he tweeted today where he was like, you know, point of order, Undertaker and John Cena have never appeared on a show with less than a million viewers, and I'm sad that that streak is over. Like, have oh, a little crazy. bit of just, you know, I think Scott made the point that Tony really should have made. Hey, 1.5 million people tuned in to watch wrestling. What a great time to be a wrestling fan. Come see our show on Wednesday night. That should have been the response. Instead, well, yeah, because look, like it if there's going to be a day where you have competition and the other company stacks their show, what you're supposed to do is just also stack your show because obviously you're both going to stack your shows. Like you can't you someone can't stack their show because they're on a competing night with you. And then you throw a hissy fit. Like these come off like hissy fits. You can't have they a hissy, hissy fit. It's business, they're, dude. They're not coming off. They are hissy fits. You know, you're they're, they're hissy fits. Right. Yeah, he's like fits. mad that they're throwing everything that they have. They're they're allowed to. And in my opinion, he still gave a better pro wrestling show. But when you throw hissy fits, you lose. And also you lost uh, the ratings. Also, Please. imagine Scott, like to your point, when you think of like how much Hunter has been cucked. The last couple of years, you know, he had all his guys fired. He had his vision of NXT destroyed and replaced, which actually, you know, to Vince and Bruce's and Michael's credit has, has, has worked. Um, you've had all these situations where you could easily, I'm sure there's been times and Triple H doesn't drink, but I'm sure there's times where Triple H is fucking, you know, he's like, ah, oh, God, man, I wish I could be, I wish I could have a burner account to shit on some of the stuff I've been fucking going through. But he doesn't do it, you know, and I think that that's the big 
And that's that's the thing for me that that that's way bigger than nine hundred thousand versus six hundred thousand. It's that you have Paul, who's had a million different gripes the last couple of years, and he's no sold everything, and you know he no sold a fucking heart attack for God's sakes. And then you have you know Tony, who's just like, I mean, it just comes across as somebody who's never had a job before this, you know. Like it comes across as like somebody okay, it's some it comes across as somebody who's never had a job they've cared about before this. Because, you know, like even in the entertainment world, you don't really fucking do that. Um well it's even know. beyond that, Tim. Like I was looking like he's replying to people the way Meltzer does. Like someone that has 50 followers who's like, haha, your show lost. And then he's writing back, you know, like, oh, I wasn't aware. Thanks. I still own a company. Like weird petty shit that Vince would never do when Vince got petty. It was stupid. It was like the billionaire Ted's wrestling war room, which wasn't funny and wasn't good for business. Well, I think the good thing about Vince was that Vince always, you know, but maybe this is a learning thing for Tony. It's like every time Vince tried to talk, you know, we saw that in the press conference after the horrible Owen accident. Every time Vince just tried to be himself around normal media, Bob Costas, it's a nightmare, dude. And I think that he was smart enough to realize, oh, I have a professional wrestling personality and I'm trying to make this in a Hollywood business. So I better get my fucking personality away from a lot of this. Um, so I think that's the one advantage, you know, like Vince kind of Vince realized. I think Tony needs to have the mo the realization that Vince does that. Look, I'm not for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, like the more I show myself, you know, the worse my people are going to look, you know. Um, but I feel I feel for him because I feel like to him, he's like, well, in at least in the wrestling world, people get me because this is a community that loves Paul Heyman. And if Paul Heyman was in any other industry, he would have been you know, ridden out on the rails. Very successful ago. in some industries. He would have been very successful, but he wouldn't have been beloved. Like he would have just been like this guy that people fucking hate, but have to deal with in WWE world. His face is on t-shirts. He is a beloved icon and people yeah. almost never rip into him. And in Tony's mind, he's the second coming of, of Paul Heyman. Well, he's not. And I think that Tony needs to realize too. I mean, I think the the scariest takeaway though, for AEW on Tuesday and it's I, this is not a novel point. A lot of people have made this point is that you have, you know, Jade Cargill on NXT, a 31 year old, uh, smoking hot black uh, female superstar who's on fire right now. And then you have Edge, who's a really nice piece to have, but he's 49. He has a broken neck. And now you're trying to build Edge and he's almost 50. And the whole thing about AEW is we're going to be doing, we're going to have the new wrestlers, we're going to have the cool shit that you haven't seen but now you know even though i love some of the stuff christian's been doing and i think edge has been you know good in AEW, like it doesn't it doesn't have that new car feeling anymore it doesn't have it just feels like almost like they're booking you know when edge and christian are on stage it's like they're booking a better impact almost you know and i think that that's you know that's that's that, that that's where they're in trouble is that like once you lose that new cool factor it's very hard to get it back you know, and if WWE, I think we can, I think everyone on this podcast, we all have different opinions on what, what good wrestling is, but I think that like, 
you know, you got to, you know, even though like, you know, AEW as MJF is champ, you got, you got to look at WWE and be like, well, I think that they're booking wise, they're building for the future more than, than AEW. They are. And they, they've capitalized, like you said earlier, they got behind LA Knight when they wouldn't have before they got behind. 40, Jay, kind of, yeah. yeah. But they got behind Jey Uso because Jey Uso was selling merchandise on his own and they've made him into a guy that they can put in a main event slot, as opposed to him being your eight thirty crossover you know, lower mid cardy kind of guy. So they're figuring that out. AEW, unfortunately, has not elevated a ton of guys that they have. And it looks like they're trying to, again, they're trying to re-engage Wardlow and Hobbs. And I thought they were going to go a little further with, with Ray Phoenix, but like they're trying, but they don't have a developmental system really in place. So the only guys they can bring in is who just got released from someplace else that we can swoop in and get. And that's that's kind of unfortunate but uh we'll let's let's we'll pivot a little bit we're gonna we'll talk the the dynamite side for dynamite or dud um hour one they open with christian in the truck which i think was a cool little visual for him to say he's giving you the first half hour for free uh they did brian danielson versus swerve which again swerves a guy you can absolutely see them wanting to get behind going forward uh, yeah. Hangman Adam Page interfered in the end of that match. They did another Samoa Joe video package to promote his feud with MJF. Uh, we got Hobbs destroying Chris Jericho, which felt like a, a preemptive response of Tony to Dan's point that we're going to use our veterans now to build up the young guys. Uh, but we've kind of seen Jericho destroyed a number of times before. And then he went to come back as a strong main eventer. Uh, we got Adam Cole cutting Roderick Strong's grass. Uh, Ray Phoenix versus Orange Cassidy, where Orange Cassidy wins back the international title. Uh, a Tony Storm silent film. Wardlow destroying Matt Seidel. Uh, Jericho and Danny Garcia in the back. And then Hangman Page versus Jay White. And we will cut that off there and start Hour 2 with the MJF promo. Dan, what do you think of Hour 1? It was fine, man. I mean, I, I think that... Um... You know, I, I like what they're doing with Wardlow. I kind of wish that they had done this earlier with just the power bombs and the. I love the gimmick of it. it reminds me, have you, have, Scott or Robert, have you ever seen the movie Warrior? Yeah, yeah. It's very much the way that they're booking Wardlow now is like at the end of Warrior when Tom Hardy just walks out of the cage. You know, like that's the way to do it. But in my head, I'm tossed. So this could. In my head, I'm like, well, this is really going to blow back in their face if like they just build this guy with these kind of matches for a couple months and then he signs a WWE. Yeah. Then Tony just Tony just built. Wardlow for them again you know <laughs> like like that that was one of my thoughts but you have to do that to, you know you have to do that like now that's the reality and that that's awesome that that's the reality because it means wrestling will stay hot um you know Orange Cassidy winning that you know that title I I don't know it, it seems like the title does mean more than it uh, than it did so that's that's cool like seeing him look at it and and things of that nature I mean I, I think Tony Storm is great um yeah, I mean, I you know, I I really didn't have many problems with this with this hour. I th I thought it was a good hour of TV. I, I didn't think it was like spectacular or anything, but I thought it was you know it was a good hour of TV. Scott, you thought this was the best hour of TV ever, right? <laughs> I thought the first hour was definitely. I mean, that first match was a pay per view quality match. I think Swerve the the way he moves, the way he sets up moves, the yeah. way he does reverse it. I, I, don't know why, but he constantly is uh keeping like he keeps me captivated and he's his own thing entirely. 
and uh, I, I love his style of wrestling. He can do, is, yeah, to yeah, Scott's point, own. he can do a lot in the ring. It's it, crazy. It's, it's always his own thing, too. I go like, damn, you must have told Dan, you must have had to explain to Danielson before this, because otherwise, what would he know? Like, what? The, again, the way he approaches a simple move, like the way he puts himself in a position to just do a DDT or anything is like more interesting and innovative than almost anybody. So, yeah, I love the match. And the way it ended was great because nobody was hurt by it. And I'm intrigued by Danielson Christian while he's feuding with Edge. Um, after that. Oh, dude, I mean, I, I thought Y2J Hobbs. I thought I thought it could have been a little shorter, obviously, but I like Hobbs. Just completely dominant. I love that. I should. I should. I. I, I love that. I thought. Yeah, that like, was... I mean, anytime Jericho had offense, it was just to show that Hobbs wasn't affected by it. You know, Tony um, should make should Tony. I mean, it's a very different type of match, but Tony should make fucking Moxley watch that match and be like, "That's how you put a new guy over, John." You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, like, you know what's cool about it is like Callis has this muscle in Hobbs. He's like the muscle of a muscle group. I mean, Takeshita is a monster. Yeah. And so to see Hobbs crush Jericho when it's already like, oh, you got guys that crush Jericho. That's a cool group that uh, has to be somehow defeated, you know? It's it is, shit. but and- it's weird that they did the Hobbs-Jericho squash match and the Wardlow-Seidel squash match like so close together because it was sure. the same story told twice. It was... You know, an established veteran guy WWE fans are going to know getting beat by the big, strong, younger guy. And I think Wardlow squashing Seidel so quickly was really, really impressive. And to your point, Scott, this, the Hobbs match went a little long. It, it was just odd that they did both the same set, the same week, the same first hour. Yeah, I will say it's cool that Wardlow storms out immediately after he wins. But it also makes me sometimes go, oh, he's mad that it's bad booking like he shows them how good he is and then is storming out because he's been booked like shit his entire that's run. what it feels like that's what it feels like You're it right. definitely feels like i i'm contractually required to do this uh and get it done quickly the uh i don't think i think that that's probably what what tony's nervous about where he's like what the fuck I mean, this guy's going to yeah, leave anyway. You know, yeah, he's he's like a college professor, and now all these kids are going to go get a job, you know, con- <laughs> their contracts being up. It's like, yeah, yeah, yep. Wardlow's going to leave, dude. I, I hope he I hope he kind of does, and they, they figure him out elsewhere and give him a chance, because we've how many times have we seen Wardlow get repackaged and pushed in AEW? I mean, he just had Arn with him as a manager that just went nowhere. And I think ever since he turned on Max, he never got any of that momentum back, and that kind of sucks. What? Uh, it's got uh, just just you're the you're the Jay White guy. What do you think of Jay White Hangman? I loved it. Um, I thought they held back a little to obviously let you know they're going to have a bigger match, and that's why that ending was cheating. But yeah, I was very 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 much into the match, um, and. Bullet Club gold on the side. They they remind me of like the Lost Boys. It really feels like uh, teenage vampires running amok. And then now we could get into the MJF awesome. segment. Yeah, you're right. Which, it's it's yeah. like Cobra Kai. You know. All right. Yeah, yeah. After the match, uh, Hangman chases off Prince Nana. MJF comes out to confront. Are we, uh, what is everyone's feeling about Prince Nana before we keep going? Like with this, 
Dan, no, no, you hold on. Dan, give us, your, give us your opinion on. Well, I just feel like he's holding Swerve down, right? I mean, like with all these fucking James Corden dances that he's doing on the way to the fucking ring, it's like, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's just Corny shit. Scott, what do you think of Nana? You know, it's one of those things that um, if I if I saw it on mute, I'd be like, "What is happening?" And then you see people get behind it. And- you go ah people are moving back and forth who cares like you know was the fandango song actually good no but wrestling fans are losers and they like to bob back and forth to stuff sometimes i mean you're not wrong actually i like the i swerve when i drive song i mean nana is obviously a little silly but that's why why i love it wrestling and that's about as cool as pro wrestling gets i love it and it's it's gotten over in the short term and there was one match where swerve was coming out and nana went to go dance and swerve stopped him and it got heat and eventually when swerve murders him he's gonna get nuclear heat because of it that nana who's now helping him cheat to win maybe people like it it just it just looks like whenever he's dancing it looks like uh you know like the older guy who's like see i get hip-hop you know, yes, like, but I think that's kind of why people it, it got him on uh, one of the radio stations and one of the hip hop stations in New York. Uh, hot, whatever. Yeah, they, I, they would they would not have been on there with Prince Nana would not have been on there otherwise. So something that can at least potentially break out in the mainstream. Go ahead and do it. I like that more than I hate the stupid fucking I hate the kingdom. But I hate the 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 one dude. I like the giraffe thing though. I, I was just say I hate the giraffe. Excited. I hate the fucking. Giraffe. I like the giraffe. Because, I love no, because it's so obvious a bit. It's like we wanted to try to do something to get it over, and it's. I, I, it's I, don't, I don't like Matt Taven, but I, I like the I like the giraffe, and I like I I really like Roderick Strong in this role. I think he's really funny. It was fine last week. This week, it's like they're turning it into misery, and that feels like Dan's other <laughs> podcast, the, the It Couple. couple. With my with another podcast co-host, former co-host of mine, Sean Donnelly, on this week, we review The Purge. Check us out, folks, on YouTube and all pod platforms. Well, The Purge was a controversial movie trying to tackle a serious subject matter in a ham-fisted way. On an unrelated note, MJF comes out for a, uh, a promo on... Uh... All right. There's the promo with him on the in the Bullet Club, and the end of the promo is... The, the promo up until this point was very, very strong. It's Max saying, you know, I've seen the light. I am now a baby face. I have now the respect of these people. You wearing that title is wrong because you did not earn it. You should not have that title. Give it back to me. I'm giving you your match. Jay White's like, I'm not going to give you back your title. You you tack me with your, your devil mask and your group. Um, so I'm going to keep this thing until we wrestle. And then it, the pivot was there's the the dynamite diamond ring. There's going to be a battle royal. Juice Robinson's entering it because he wants to win it because they want to take everything from Max. That story is a great heel babyface story. That is pure pro wrestling. Strip the guy down. Take everything from him. Take away Adam Cole because Adam Cole's hurt. Steal his title. Take the ring from him. Break him to the point where he has a redemption arc. It's absolutely brilliant. The moment where this thing went totally off the rails in a hurry was Juice Robinson pulling out a roll of quarters with the name Friedman written on it. I will say the defense that someone on this show is going to say first, which is, yeah, but he used quarters before as a weapon. 
Juice Robinson <laughs> using quarters, he's used it maybe like three times ever. It's not something that you think of when you think of Juice Robinson. He doesn't think of, but he has used it. You're both right. He has, but it's like, it, but that's not the forefront. Like it was there because it tied back to Max's story when he got bullied and they called him Jew Boy and they threw quarters at him. I mean, I think you should probably give your opinion on this first, Robert, since yeah, you're the I, one Jewish person on this I, podcast. I'm I'm the, I'm the most Jewish person on this show, um, since Mike's not here. But uh, definitely, you're definitely more Jewish. I than know. Mike. Well, uh, yes, um, <laughs> I'm a lawyer. It's kind of it's hand in hand. No, they're trying to tell this story. Mike's of, more Florida. He's more Florida. He's Jew. more Florida. He's not Florida Jew. He's more Florida. He's more Florida than Jewish. You know, that's true. I, um, he'll agree with that too. Yeah, I, absolutely. Um. But uh, they were trying to tell this thing of like, now I want to now you want to see Max get revenge on Juice Robinson because Juice Robinson is bringing up the anti-Semitism that Max faced when he was younger. The problem is. This week was a thousand percent not the week to do it. You can debate whether or not this is a story to even tell because it is sort of a sensitive, nuanced story about anti-Semitism and using iconography in that fashion especially with a guy like Juice Robinson, who for as much as I don't necessarily or did not necessarily get him, I started to come around and get like, okay, I understand the appeal. Fine, man. Mike's gotten that appeal. Scott's always been on board. There are people who are going to see what Juice Robinson did and be like, hey, that's kind of cool, which is in and of itself problematic. But this week, given everything that's going on with Israel and people being extremely sensitive to anything anti-Semitic, this was not the week to do that story. Holy shit, man. Where, where, were they, where were they filming this week, by the way? Uh, Kansas City, I believe. Kansas City. And like, I mean. Yeah, not a not a Jew hot. Silence. I will say America is probably the least anti-Semitic country uh, besides, you know, Israel, because like there are plenty of European countries and Latino countries that would have cheered that. Yes, you, know, like, you run are, that you run that risk anyway. I think you know, I, yeah, and I I do think that like that was kind of cool of just seeing like the silence because it wasn't like Ooh. oh it was pure it was like they hit mute on the audience silence. It was yeah, crazy. It's I, not yeah. good. It's not good. I think it wasn't good heat. That's that's part, my thing. It was it's not, not good, good heat. heat. And right, you didn't need to. Point, you didn't need to write Friedman on. You could, first of all, you could have written MJ if you needed to write something. You could have just showed the quarters. You should have done it back. this week, man. All no, right. that's but that's one hundred percent it. And what part of me. As the as the writer, as the as the former like Booker guy, what pisses me off more than anything else is you didn't need it because you already had enough motivation for Max wanting to beat up the bullet. Well, you I, I thought the interesting story you brought up that story. That's I right. thought the interesting story was that, you know, is MJF in you know, is he actually still evil? That's you the know, other like, part of this too. You can't do that story now you, if you've completely as I was saying, you've lost the he's a heel pretending to be a baby face and the crowd's going along for the ride, but now he's lose that dynamic completely. When now he's been rightfully aggrieved. And what pissed me off beyond anything else is I really thought the payoff for that quarter story, because they brought it up twice now was going to be that he was going to get laid out with Adam Cole and Adam Cole was going to use the quarters on him. And then that was the betrayal that Adam took the thing that was the most heartbreaking part of Max's life and he's like, you're my best friend. And then Adam used that against him. At least that story, if and when it was ever going to be told, not the same fucking week that you have Hamas attacking Israel, that has emotional resonance to it. Juice Robinson is like a lackey to Jay White who's like, I'm going to enter a battle royal and take your ring. Fine. You didn't need the quarter thing. It didn't add anything. And now it 
it's all anybody is talking about. And a problem AEW has had repeatedly of late is anytime they seem to do something good, all we focus on is the big colossal fuck up, like all in and CM Punk. The cat, well, you know, like I think the catch 22 is Robert is we always want, you know, wrestling to seem relevant yeah. and modern, but we don't trust wrestling to tell these type of stories, <laughs> you know, like we don't tell, you know, like, you know, the easy example was, you know, Undertaker with the London bombings, you know, and, uh, we just we don't we haven't developed that it, or Billy and Chuck getting married and then it's all a swerve and it's like we don't really trust wrestling with these stories. So when we see a wrestler try to tell the story, even though Max is completely on board, you know I don't think that but it seems like more than on board. I don't think board. This is some, like I don't think I don't think Tony was like, hey, let's get the quarters involved, Max. No. This is a story Max wants to tell, and I, I think that's the main in, in terms of like being a creative right um when, when you realize it's not a writer pitching to a jewish guy hey wouldn't this be fun it's a jewish guy going hey this is a story people are talking shit currently on the internet um you know i i can feel all of this in my fucking blood right now i i want to as you know is wrestling art he's going as an artist i want to be able to paint this fucking picture um I'm going to at least give him the benefit of the doubt to complete the painting. Do, do yeah, I think I, I it's agree with smart? you. I agree with you too. Yeah. Here's, here's why I don't think it's smart because I feel bad saying it because it's like, you know, the way I like music, I, I want to compare wrestling to music. And it's like, uh, if a guy starts playing electric guitar at the folk concert, I'm not the guy who gets mad, you know, but most wrestling fans aren't, they're not reading that deep into storylines at all. And so when it happens, it just feels weird. And again, the storyline isn't complete. And so it is empty thus far. So far, it is like this shot at this terrible thing that happened to him as a child that only happened to him because he was Jewish. And that's in, but in a I bubble, trust it's in fine. MJF. His tweet, I thought, was awesome about it. Yeah. His tweet work in a bubble, it's fine that the idea is this guy is bringing up this anti-Semitic thing and I'm going to punch his lights out and that's going to be a cathartic moment. Well, he needed – I mean he needed to bring that up for fucking Juice. Yes. I'm sure but, after that – I'm sure backstage Juice was like, hey, Max, yeah, fucking yeah. tweet something. Save, right. Yes, save me because people were like, fire wow. Juice Robinson. I'm like, it's not like he did this of his own volition. Like, guys – it's not no. like Juice Robinson's like here's something, like if he did it like unscripted then yeah I get where you're like fuck this guy but like yeah, the, it's part the, of the story. Juice Robinson doesn't have an opinion on the settlements, guys. No, <laughs> you know no. what I mean. Like he doesn't. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't think I don't think that that's his 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 forte. You know. And, and I'm all look. And I think like Mike said this. He's like you know no matter what, someone's always going to say this is too soon. And I think for humor, there's really no barrier in terms of too soon. Like you can make a joke about something because there's a cathartic release to it. This was that's the whole point of comedy. Yeah, it's the whole point of comedy. But like, look, as a as a Jew, I have friends that are not Jewish who have no. I, I they'll reach out. They reached out to me, and be like, "Hey, I saw the Israel stuff. Are you are, are you okay? I don't have family in Israel. I have you know some like friends that are there, but it's not like I'm." immediately connected to it i know mike has some family that's over there is connected to it but people just associate this as that in the same way a friend of mine likened this to he's gay and when the pulse nightclub shooting happened he had people like reach out to him that week like hey are you doing okay simply because you're you're gay and people internalize these sorts of traumas it's a very raw time to do this story even if you would have waited 
three weeks to do it. They still had it. It wasn't a time-sensitive story, and I think that's the tone-deaf part of it. That's the yeah, most frustrating. I you agree. Tell I, the I, story. It just it now was not the time to do it. I, I think my my ultimate takeaway from this is agreeing with you. This was not the time, but also agreeing with Scott. With look, MJF is the most talented guy in wrestling, and it's not particularly close. Yeah. Um, let's see what he does with it. I, I try. MJF's a guy. A guy I at least trust enough to like. <laughs> Here's know. what's funny about it that I just realized, and Robert kind of touched on it. Who it affects the most is actually Juice. They're they're really playing with Juice because he's being set up to be an anti semite. Now, do I think it's gonna? I I think they will make fix, and that's not going to be the case. But they ran the risk Wednesday night of like. All like the potential of a Juice Robinson t-shirt in the future not being worn by someone because it's like, oh, that guy who did the quarter thing the yeah. week of, of everything happening. Yeah. Like in WWE is – I just played – they are extremely guilty of really stupid tone. The Triple H Booker T segment, the people like you shouldn't be world champion kind of thing. Oh, they just – somebody just like, yesterday posted that. Uh, the legacy talking down on Mark Henry and MVP and Kofi and, you know, talking about them going back to the hood, which is like hilarious. Cause I mean, I guess that could kind of work with MVP. Right. But the other two guys are like, what? <laughs> you know, like, it's, what? like, like look, WWE has committed this sin hundreds and hundreds of times. And yeah. Max tried to tweet out like, you know, Muhammad Hassan, but Muhammad Hassan didn't debut September 12th. You needed 12th. to do that so Juice didn't get beat up. Yeah, no, I get it. You know, but it's like, like <laughs> the difference is Hassan didn't debut November 12th, 2001. And the and even that character, the nuance that that was supposed to be was, as a Muslim American, I'm being unfairly maligned. People automatically assuming I'm a terrorist. And then when that subtlety didn't work, they turned him into a fucking terrorist. Because wrestling, it goes to its base impulses sometimes. And things are not always handled Which is really what well. What old WWE used to do now, new WWE, it's like when they had that like kind of almost version of Antifa or whatever with the uh, what were they fucking retribution? Called? Retribution, yeah. Like they eventually just dropped it because they're like, well, we're not going to go like old WWE. We would have gone the whole way with this, but we can't. So, do you think they drop it? Do you think they like you know in this match, Juice doesn't acknowledge quarters at all? I, I think they should, because, like, in my head, uh, Scott, like, in my head, the payoff, right, is, like, MJF then taking the quarters and hitting Juice, right? Like, getting back at him or something. But then, like, that's kind of hollow, right? Because it's, like, I don't think people are going to cheer for that. People are just going to kind of be like, oh, they're bringing the quarters back, you know? So here's the, here's the problem. Even within the confines of kayfabe, which we are in, the fact that Tony Khan, the fictional head of the... That should be the, the new name of this podcast. We don't wrestle anybody anymore. We don't wrestle anybody? We don't, yeah, I'm sorry, we don't roast anybody anymore, you know? I mean, I'm not going to be here for a couple of weeks, but I'm just saying you should change it the confines of kayfabe. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, we need to uh, make it more subtle. Uh, but, like, Tony as, like, the, the GM ahead of uh, whatever this wrestling promotion as a character would not condone someone who was anti-Semitic still getting to go wrestle the next week on TV. Like, in character, they should suspend Juice Robinson, the character, just to let the heat die down a little bit. But, like, in the NBA... No, they'd be like... No, I think the only way they fix this is is Juice is so fun. He's such a joy. They... MJ Wait, just has to be on. like, you I are so clarify, stupid. Scott, to save your ass, he is not fun and a joy because of the anti-Semitic part. No, he was fun. <laughs> no, 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 you sure. 
they MJF has to be like, you are so stupid. You don't even realize that it's anti-Semitic. You're like a guy who throws around quarters. Like they just need to lean in on Juice's obsession with quarters. He's got to be like an arcade. He's got to be at the arcade all the time. He's got to have one of those belts on. He like, yeah, maybe Scott, just Scott's point. Maybe the end of this is juice plays enough ski ball that he's able to get a uh, star of David stuff animal. And he gives it to Max and it's all and and you know, water under the bridge. Dan, oh, right that's there. what he meant by you're gonna get this roll of quarters. He just meant he was giving him five dollars. Yeah, maybe he's just giving him yeah, he's and giving Max him a is trauma triggered him. No, no. You you need to set him to sensitivity training. He comes back as Jew Robinson and he won't wrestle on Saturdays. Yeah, Jew <laughs> Robinson and he apologizes and you know, like the whole the, the end of this angle, it's not the blow off, it's the uh, day of atonement. D- fuck, that's good. There it is. Yeah. That should All be right. the people. That should that they should call that the match between Yom Kippur and, War to settle the score. The uh, score for the. Jeez, <laughs> I was trying right. to think of other ones, and I couldn't come up with. Anything. He's a he's a member of Bullet Club Gold. All right, so funny. I've been listening, you know, because I've been obsessed with this Israel story and Hamas, and and I've been listening to. Um, uh, a lot of like uh, Israeli podcasts. Alvarez and Meltzer. Yeah, Alvarez and Meltzer. Yeah, yeah. They really have their their they have their finger on the pulse of this whole situation. You know, but I've been listening to a lot of Israeli podcasts, and like it's so funny to like hear Israeli commercials because it's all about like, you know, it's like our commercials. It's like it's, so it's about a car, but like you know, so they're bitching about you know like like oh we're not getting good deals, but it just feels like you're in an episode of fucking. Like, like, uh, I don't know, mad about you or something like that. Cause it's like, ah, you know, like everyone's just like Kavecking and Kavoy, you know, it's really, fun. you were close, but yeah, no, they're, 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 I, I do like that. Like, if I ever go to like the pita place, they always have Israeli TV on and the commercials are all, that. oh my goodness, what are we doing? Yes, you gotta this, get him this flow from over here. Yes, uh, anyway, there was still more on dynamite apparently that happened, but uh, Shaded took on uh, beat Soraya. Thank God they cleaned up the confetti cannons to reload them for a second <laughs> useless title change. Uh, MJF got sexually harassed by the acclaimed. Uh, and then uh, Adam Co- Adam Copeland uh, took on Luchasaurus. Look, Christian's promo before where he talked about how he's going to be uh, the new dad for Copeland's kids and that Beth's a fan of his. That was good. The finish of this. They sent everybody out there. They, he made a crack about Judgment Day, which was kind of like, all right, that was like even Christian is like, let's just, you don't need to worry about that nonsense because uh, Judgment Day now works better without Copeland, which is not a great thing to bring up. Also, I would not bring that up. Yeah, that's that's something I would I would not bring up. Hey, look at this hot stable in the other company now that you've left. Also, Christian's other point was, oh, now you want to come align with me when your career's in the shitter. I'm like, wait, your career's in the shitter because you just debuted in AEW. Like that was I mean, a that weird... wasn't good, and it's also like you left WWE with a, with two big wins. You big beat Sheamus and Grayson Waller and Finn Balor, like three big wins in a row. So yes. it's like you have a hot guy coming in. A- after um, the match, Adam Copeland's getting attacked uh, by Nick Wayne and uh, Luchasaurus. Blackpool Combat Club come out for the save. The Gates of Agony came out in the randomest uh, run. They they tried like, oh, Gates of Agony, we're gonna face Blackpool on you know Rampage or whatever. Then Swerve came out, then Hangman came out, and uh, it was just a big schmoz to to finish the show. It was the crazy chaos 
end of the Monday Night War kind of thing. Uh, Scott, what did you think of the rest of this non-anti-Semitic portion of the show? Uh, I, I I really enjoyed Christian's promo. I thought the women's match was great. Obviously, it's such a short title reign from Soraya that you're like, uh. But we all agree that victory made sense in the UK, and I'm glad just a more capable wrestler has it now. Um, so she because can lose they are. She seems like she was. Yes, I mean, well, hey, Tony Storm was involved in the match, which I liked. Uh, and then, yeah, the main event, I thought, I thought Edge looked very good. I'm, I'm not like an Edge head or whatever he, his fans call themselves, but this was good for sure. And I was more concerned about Luchasaurus boxing because Luchasaurus botches often, and I thought both of them did a really, really good job. I thought the ending with the brawl—that's how I like AEW shows to end. I think every Every wrestling show should end with uh, 15 guys punching each other in the head. Daniel? I mean, we're all, dude. I mean, we're all waiting at this point. That Christmas promo is fun, but we're all waiting for the fact Adam Copeland was raised by a single mom. His dad was not in the picture. That's the promo I want to hear. You know? Like, eventually he's going to bring up his dead mom, and it's going to be fucking amazing. Uh, Christian as... uh, you know, I thought the best night moment of the whole show was Christian telling those guys, he goes, all right, assholes, get the show started. You know, yes. it's like a funny moment. Um, but again, you know, I think the bigger problem is you're building on, you know, two stars, but they've never been superstars and they're both 50, you know, yeah. which are Christian and Edge. And, uh, you know, I, I think you're kind of looking in the past again, you know, like, and you know, even having Brian go over Swerve. Now you're going to have Brian and Christian. It's like, oh, just all these fucking old guys, man. I mean, Brian's not old, but it's all these guys who, you know, they're not new. Um, established talent from elsewhere, not homegrown. Because I do agree, like, you, you know, part, part of the reason this show, I wasn't, you know, crazy about it, is, is you know, guys like Kenny were left off of it uh, for people like Ed. And I don't yeah. watch AEW for people like Edge, and I'm not going to watch it if Sheamus shows up. Like, you know, these aren't the guys I'm excited for. But there is that other truth that is this is for the TNT title, not the main title. At the end of the day, when, you know, they start approaching the pay per view, which holy shit, they are, you're going to realize this is like the third or second, you know, probably the second most important story on a pay per view card. That's pretty amazing and cool. And they've done something impressive. Yeah, it's just, we're, it's we're just talking yeah, about a few weeks we're, of Edge being there. He's going to close out the show. He just got there. Everyone's talking about, uh, you know, um, a, a, a Sheamus coming to AEW. I think that would be a massive mistake on their part. I really do. Like, I've never, uh, he's just, he's such a WWE guy. And even in WWE, you know, like, you know, his stuff with Gunther was really good. But it, you know, I think we saw the best of him there and now it's done, you know? Um, so. Yeah, I, right. I don't. I don't love the idea of Sheamus showing up in in AEW. Um, they they got to get behind the, the folks that they have, and at least I mean, Dan, you're you're our fashionista. Most important question: What did you think of Hobbs' new uh, gear? Loved it. I, I had a feeling that was I was gonna. I I, I think that guy's such a star, man. He's huge. Um, also, guys, I don't know if you read the news, but uh, UFC is moving off of USADA. So 
we are going to get we are about to enter a uh a age of giants everybody everybody's going to be on the juice soon so that'll be uh that'll be interesting to watch it'll be there's going to be a lot more you know it'll be interesting to see these guys like you know, who look like 1980s prototypes try to do Ring of Honor type shit. Like everyone's like Brian Gage or whatever. Brian Gage. But um yeah, it'll 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 definitely be interesting to see where what wrestler what wrestlers look like in you know, we we you know, fucking Carmelo Hayes could could look like Terry Crews in the next like year or two if if they relax on the wellness policy. Which whatever, man, I'm fine with that. I I, I really don't, you know, I think like painkillers are such a bigger problem in wrestling than, than steroids that it's like, yeah, whatever, do whatever the fuck you want. Who cares? That's spirit. Um, all right, well, let's, uh, let's do some, uh, high spot, low spot here in a fucking weird week of wrestling. Dan, what's your high spot, low spot? Well, my high spot, I'd be remiss to say it's my, uh, four year anniversary today. So not really a wrestling high spot, but, um, a high spot, uh, in my personal life. Love Puzzle you, Sarah. Check Check out our podcast, The It Couple. Um, my low spot. What can... the hell? We should make you have to say a goddamn wrestling high spot. <laughs> All Scott, right. That is a wrestling high spot. I, you he's listened to, like, he's uh... listened to Melcher for four years and his wife stayed with him. That is a <laughs> testament to love that we can all support. I, I did like the Seth and, uh, you know, I'll go back to Saturday night. I really like the uh, Seth and... Um, you know, I, I really like the Seth and uh, Nakamura. Nakamura match. Um, I guess that I wouldn't say that that was my high spot of the week, though. Like, there's something in wrestling that really was like this week. I was like, holy shit, you know, like um, I, I thought everything was fine. There's also nothing in wrestling that was like, I mean, besides Tony being embarrassing, there's nothing like really awful. Well, the anti-Semitic stuff. But yeah, I know what you mean. No, but like even even within that, we 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 talked yeah, about that. No. That was probably a poor choice rather than just like you know, like you understood the motivation behind it. Yes, in a way. it wasn't you like a guy to... like it wasn't like Jim Ross accidentally tweeted out what he thinks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, all right. Well, here's my high spot. Ric Flair just sent McDonald's a cease and desist for using woo in a commercial. Um, oh, God. I mean, <laughs> this guy. I mean, talk about, like, what's the opposite of aging gracefully? Ric Flair. Yeah, it's Ric Flair, right? Um, fuck, at high spot, uh, you know, I thought Jade Cargill's outfit on Tuesday night. I was like, holy shit. This there outfit is so, is so ridiculous, and she's still, she, her, she is such a specimen. She is such a uh, a slam piece, an art piece, if you will, if you're in the bodybuilding community, uh, like that she's able to look like that walking around in that outfit. How many other wrestlers we know, especially female wrestlers, it's kind of like when Damien Priest wears the... Um... <laughs> especially female wrestlers. It's just Dan picturing Randy Orton and Jade Cargill's <laughs> outfit from this week. <laughs> I mean, Randy Orton could pull it off. He could pull off anything. Oh, He's like, uh, by the way, speaking of a guy that would wear Jade Cargill's outfit, uh, Velveteen Dream apparently not coming back to WWE. So that's yeah, that a was a spot. rumor. Uh, uh, oh, we, we haven't talked about, I mean, we really should talk about this. This isn't really a high spot or low spot. It's just a conversation topic. But yeah, whatever. I'll do Jade Cargill for a high spot. And the low spot is going to be, I mean, obviously, fucking everything that's going on with Hamas, but 
Um, you know what I mean? But that's they're, not, yeah, their their impact on wrestling. Podcast. People listen to this to escape from the news. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I had mean, to I... like ban my wife from watching. The, I'm like, please stop putting the news on when I'm in the room. I don't want to see. No, all it's like of this the sadness. low spot is like you know Tony's tweets suck. Like we all agree, but I'm I'm also like oh, I'm those perver- are a high spot for me. Dan. I'm perversely entertained by them too. So I so, love them. What do I what do I say about it? I, I'm like this is bad for his. All right, let me let me, let me let me let me let me bail you out here. Yeah, uh, my, my, out. I'll do my high spot. My, so my low spot, well, so my high spot is the trailer for the Von Erichs movie came out, The Iron Claw, and this thing looks absolutely fucking incredible. A little disappointed MJF's not in the trailer, but uh, Zach Efron looks just like a, he looks great in this movie the dude from uh the bear as I thought, it o- I thought it looked okay i mean i i didn't think i thought it looked like every biopic almost but, th- but okay but compared to what i thought potentially a wrestling movie was going to look like like this looks like yeah. a legitimate movie about wrestling as opposed to who knows what kind of piece of shit this could have been i think this is going to be a really good movie i'm excited to see it uh my low spot and this will spark a little bit of conversation is wwe apparently uh telling cm punk there we walk, go pal. thank you thank uh, you we'll we'll see you know maybe down the road but keep keeping in mind that survivor series is in chicago and it could it, be working us too it, oh, they have, i was gonna say this could absolutely be a work it's Meltzer who reported it and 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 phil or punk or whatever the fuck you want to call him hasn't written anything like really petty or acerbic on social media so it makes me think that they're swarming us yes uh, I just think, look, I, I want to see Punk back in WWE just to be able to get a couple of these shows out of him. I think you can get Survivor Series, Rumble, Mania, tell a story with Punk, and then kind of restore him in the WWE world where they can sell the merchandise, put him back in video games, let him you're exist a, as a you're character. You're such a company, Mark. I, I, I don't, no, it's, no, no, Dan, it's not a company, Mark, thing. It's, it's what I said when Edge left. It's like... It just kind of sucks that now, for a while, like Edge just won't exist in the same way. You like are, the Jericho stuff. You are a stuff. company mark. You are. You have to admit you're a company mark. No, I. This okay. When it comes to the company mark thing, when we started this, when it was total F and marks, and WWE was fucking terrible, I was way more critical of WWE than everybody else. When it was like they're fighting in swamps and ripping eyeballs out. I'm like, you're gonna bring up the swamp because, but that was like, but they were so boring for so many years that it's like this this terrible television show that I had to watch suddenly got like better not good but better I think so it got good yeah. it, well now it's gotten good You're not but great it, but it good. started I think like it started when Roman came back but before that for like the last six like between when probably Roman Punk left to before Roman finally came back everything was forgettable for like six seven years it was just bland wallpaper paste who gives a shit and nobody was talking about WWE. Nobody cared. There was nothing to be excited about. Vince was like, John Cena's our guy as a babyface. We don't care. And then it's Roman's our babyface champ. Nobody cares. And it sucked. And nobody wanted to, nobody was interested in it. Nobody was watching it. Now they're better than what they were. So as a lifelong WWE fan, I'm like, I'm glad they're figuring this shit out. At the same time, AEW is on that down, that downward trajectory from where they were when they first started and they were white hot and that kind of sucks. So I'm not the company guy when WWE fucks up. If you listen to something to sports entertainment with, I will gladly say when there are segments that suck, I hate fucking Nia Jax being on TV and it sucks and she's awful. And there's a lot of stuff. I mean, fast lane was whatever it was passable, but 
when a wrestler leaves, it's fine. It was a good. It was a good show. When a wrestler leaves, the character and that IP goes away. And as someone who wants to buy the video game, I want there to be a video game where I can play as Edge still in WWE. It doesn't happen. Like when they're gone, that part of it sucks. Or they're not part of video packages. Or you get those cool moments of. I feel like you should still get them in the video game. I mean, at this point, like. You you know, that, yeah, but you don't want to promote the other company. Like that's that's the shit that bugs me. It's like Punk being you know I, you can have him. You can play him without having to advertise him. That's what I'm starting to say. Yeah, but there's no. Why would they want to promote someone who's not there? Like I get they could, but they just don't want to. They can because it's like Edge isn't a threat, man. Edge is not a threat to them at all. Well, it seems they, they regardless, like he shits his pants in every match or something. You know, they, he very well he very well might have. <laughs> um, but no, I look. I would like to have seen Punk come back. I think eventually he will come back. I think this was the testing the waters to see how everybody responded. And most people like Shawn Michaels, Montez Ford, everyone was kind of like, yeah, we could, we could find a way to, to be able to work with this guy and bring him into the locker room and, and make something. Well, him and Michaels happen. never had issues too, you know, like well, really. No, he, cause he was, cause Shawn is, is way more like Brett than he likes to admit. Like punk once pulled out his wallet and showed him a, like an autograph that Shawn Michaels had signed to him when he was a kid. So he yeah. knows that he's a mark for him. So he likes him the same way. If you tell Brett you're a mark for him, he'll he'll like you and then tell you how much Goldberg's a piece of shit. Especially this week. <laughs> Scott, what's your high spot, low spot? Well, I want to add to the CM Punk. Yeah, no, you can pile um, on both. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I I think he's going back to WWE. Why? I mean, didn't Shinsuke do a GTS on Raw? Like, why? Why? Why would we do this? But I will also say this, if for some reason Dave is right, which I think everybody at this point is just trying to embarrass Dave, I think they want Dave, <laughs> I think they want Dave out by 2024. I think everybody agrees on this. He's, And so I think this is like really going to embarrass Dave if CM Punk shows up at Survivor Series. But I, no one's mentioned this. I'm almost positive the, um, because it was so overshadowed by the quarter moment. But part of MJF's promo that was good, he said this thing about looking in the mirror and um, facing himself, his past self who did bad things. CM Punk cut a promo like that. And when I was watching it, I'm like, you know how in the past few weeks, WWE has made reference to CM Punk. Uh, I was like, is this MJF making reference to CM Punk because this motherfucker is coming back? No, because he knows Punk's going to WWE and he wants the feud when he goes there in January. (laughs) <laughs> yeah maybe Planning but my uh my high spot is look i thought i thought both tuesday shows were were fun uh so that is a high spot but genuinely this week i'm just most looking forward to royal quest which is on saturday uh osprey is fighting zach saber jr and you know osprey is like oh you like that danielson saber jr match well here's one for you so i'm like very very pumped for this that's a high spot which by the way is Low also spot. frustrating because i'm pretty sure like osprey is to the American audience, he's a heel because he's part of uh, Don Callis's thing, and Zack Saber Jr. is a heel. He's the one man. Hey, the American audience, they understand doing business and working with Don when you live overseas makes sense. Okay. Anyway, um, you know what I don't like? Low spot. So I, I, on on the Patreon, I complain about on Collision, FTR lost the titles to Ricky Starks. Oh and, yeah, and like and uh, Big, Big Bill, Bill right? In like three minutes, right? Yeah, it was yeah, bad. and you go okay. FTR is injured, and 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 my frustration is pick any other team. I, I I understand you might want to push Ricky and Bill as something, 
do it another way, not involving the titles, because you already have a lot of great tag teams. But now it turns out that this they're not even hurt. This was like FTR's idea or some shit. And uh, that's a low spot because I just don't get it. Your title reign is sweet. What the hell? Was this him trying to get ahead of like Tony punishing Cash for the gun stuff? No, that was too long ago, I, dude. I was like, dude. I'm just saying, and nothing's come of it. But I don't know. It's it's a that's a weird, it's a weird thing to do, especially with those guys because I don't even think of Ricky and Big Bill as a as a tag team. Well, exactly. They're not. It it it's more of you know Ricky have it's. It's Sean and Diesel having the tag titles. And what sucks even more is didn't like the Bucks win a a, a shot at the world t- the tag titles? They were trying to set up Bucks and FTR. Yeah, wasn't that part of Wrestle Dream or did I? Well, everybody wants this? to see everyone wants to see Matt Jackson and Big Bill walk up, Robert. Oh, that's, that's a that's a dream. That's a main event anywhere in the fucking country. No, of course. Hey, I, honest question. This isn't even a joke. Do you think Bret Hart? Do you think Bret Hart thinks that Saturday was more of a travesty or Montreal screwjob? Ooh, that's a good question. Hey, what was Saturday? Hamas. <laughs> you fucking psycho. I think we were talking about the fucking FTR thing. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is COVID, Dan. At the end of this year. I'm sorry, I'm a little loopy. I was, wow. Uh, yeah, a little loopy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, but no, and Brett's, by the way, the way Brett would rationalize that, well, I mean, we knew that Hamas fucking was awful, but Vince looked me in the eye and he shook my hand. And, uh, <laughs> you're right, you're right. That's, that's 100% <laughs> what his response would be. Well, Hamas, Hamas never lied to them. You no, know? They, they always knew. They, they, didn't, they didn't make him sign a, a peace treaty uh, that was for 30 years with guaranteed money, yeah. um, and, uh, and it didn't affect uh, you know Jim and uh, and Bulldog. <laughs> yeah, that's that would have been his response. All right, uh, Dan's been whoring a lot thus far, but you anything else you want to plug aside well, from your podcast? Uh, of course, the couple. Uh, I'm going to be gone for. Uh, I'll, I'll be back in a couple of weeks, guys. When it's Crown Jewel and review probably Crown Jewel and a few other, you know, if there is a Crown Jewel. Hopefully, like, the, like that's it, fucking holy shit. I that's didn't even the, think that's that. the big that's the big thing they got to be worried about more than anything else, because if there's escalation in the Middle East, um, I can't see them going over there for Crown Jewel, because part of the what what part of the impetus for Hamas was Israel and Saudi Arabia were brokering. The reason, yeah. yeah, they were brokering normal normalizing relations. So. You know, we'll see if it does happen. I will say Raw built up a pretty good match with Seth and Drew. They had a nice little promo and a nice little storyline there. I think that'll be a pretty fun match for Crown Jewel if we actually get it in a couple weeks. Hey, yeah. what about this guy's? Like and, and, and I think Drew is obviously turning heel, and that's what he should be, and that's great. But on the Drew heel turn right now is like it's like the Diesel heel turn where he's not turning heel, he's just acting like a normal person. He's like, I don't have to go out and fucking save everybody. I'm here to win a title, and if that makes me a dick, then I'm a dick. Yeah. Before we go, did you guys hear uh, the thing Ari Emanuel said about Vince? I guess this morning. Yes. What did he say? Well, they asked him about, like, you know, why the stocks, you know, and it, it's, uh, somebody interviewing asked him, hey, you know, why do you think the uh, 
the, the TKO, whatever endeavor stocks dropped for a second there. And he blamed Vince. He was like, probably Vince McMahon. He's old and yep. he's still like attached on a WWE. And that's also just finding out on Monday. Another morale booster going into NXT is this idea that Triple H has like full creative control of WWE, Raw, and SmackDown. And Vince is kind of being flushed out. And Guys, Endeavor I said is it. getting go, what go they want. Go back in the archives. I said yeah. when Vince supposedly regained power, I said they need him to close a deal. And then once that's done, Ari's going to take him out back and shoot him. And his comments there to the to, to the to the public that's that is pretty nuts i mean you 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 did call that i remember you specifically calling that because we were always like no vince is going to be back and it did seem this this is like the first couple of weeks it seems like vince is really not in charge anymore vince yeah. is not in charge anymore and by ari saying that in, in the public the street's going to hear that and that basically means anytime vince says or does anything you're going to jeopardize the tko stock so ari has neutralized vince and Hunter can now tout, you know, the NXT show that I, I put on beat the competition. And when Vince was, you know, around, it didn't. So look at us. Yahoo. Uh, Scott, what do you want to plug? You got any other podcasts you want to whore out? Yeah, I got a podcast out for smokes with Mike Racine and Sean McCarthy. Drops every Friday. Check it out. Love it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WW Creative. Okay underscore i s h dan, dan, dan. sorry no no what think? i will be back on the road next week I, I, this covid thing will not hold me back for too long i'm gonna be doing comedy of the carlton uh, opening for dance <laughs> in rochester new york and then i'll be at soul joel's comedy show at the end of the month and then next uh next november i'm gonna be opening for dan both in portland and san fran for when he shoots uh what I what I presume is going to be some sort of a special. I'm not sure, but yeah. it should be very exciting. Yeah, Dan Soder needs the boost. Speaking of of poor, unfortunate people who need the boost, Mike Lawrence this week is uh, in New York City with uh, Pete Davidson, who will be hosting Saturday Night Live. Writing jokes for SNL this week. Yeah, Mike's writing jokes for SNL. It's his little show on NBC. It's it's what they air when Saturday Night Main Event's not on. Um, you know, give these guys that they're struggling. They could use all the attention they can get. Uh, but uh, we're we're very proud of Mike. We and guys, in case you're wondering, guys. Mike is still texting us embarrassing thing Tony's did, so he's not out of the wrestling. Yes. He's literally in Thirty Rock, and he's still texting about uh, you know dynamite. So you can you can take the kid out of uh, wrestling, but you can't take wrestling out of the kid. Uh, Patreon, we'll be back this weekend. Scott and I, we've got a a, a fun show for you. Ten dollars here, something sports entertainment with talking Monday Night Raw. Uh, until then, folks, Scott, wash your hands, wash your hands with crystal clear audio. Thanks guys.